Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It is Hardline with Beamer and Brenda. You can bring that down, Scott. Thank you very much. We're back. It's become a Sunday favorite. It is Beamer and Brenda. Real quick, just want to give a shout out. Andy Grammer sounded great at Starry Night in the Garden on Wednesday. So good job by 102.5. What a gorgeous night that was, Joe. And by the way, good morning. Great to be back with uh, the Beam on the buffet. We're calling it the Sunday Buffet with Beamer and Brenda because there's a lot of meaty topics to delve into, especially political topics from uh, North Korea to Erie County and the debates around the U.S. So, uh, yeah, lots of stuff going on, including Starry Night. Joe, it was nice to see you and uh, your lovely date. Uh, last Wednesday night, and thankfully the weather cooperated. It was a picture-perfect night. It was a beautiful Western New York summer night in Buffalo, uh, and we're getting a few more of those. Yesterday was beautiful. It looks great outside right now. So it, it's even more comfortable today than yesterday because the humidity seems down. But so you enjoyed Gra- uh, Andy Grammer, and did you get a chance to uh, nosh on some of the food? Oh yes, some great food, and uh, Brenda, I may have partaken in some of the alcoholic beverages as well. Well, I should hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first Starry Night in the Garden experience, and uh, I oh, really, really, yeah, I, I really mean, appreciated it. It so. was a great day, and thanks to uh, Dispenza's for the. Uh, Plates. I don't know if you saw those, Joe. Oh, those were really cool. Aren't those yeah, those cool with the uh, Dispenza's Meat Market logo, and then you could slip the glass right in there. It was a great night. So happy everybody enjoyed themselves. But it's great to be back with you back in the uh, WBEN saddle here, talking politics, oh, and always yes. so much to uh, chew on. And you know, everyone just loves politics, right? They they take everyone's uh, opinion with a grain of salt. <laughs> I think that's how you took your margarita the other night. That sure is. Sure is. So when we walked in this morning, Brenda, uh, the, the big news was that President Trump became the first sitting president to walk into North Korea. Now, he spent like 10 seconds in North Korea, but there met with Kim Jong-un. Now, he said this had been talked about. This is the first I heard about it was when I walked in today and saw on the TV him walking into North Korea. Yeah, it was quite a momentous uh, few seconds. And it was the first time that Kim Jong-un ever spoke to the American media as well. Uh, I saw some of the footage this morning and you could hear the cameras just clicking, clicking, clicking. It was unbelievable sight. Trump walked over there, shook hands with Un, his uh, good buddy. And uh, we'll see where it goes. Uh, what do you think about that? We'd love to get your comments as well. 803-0930. And also, if you want to text in, I know it's a busy morning for a lot of people, maybe heading to church or your uh, place of worship or heading out for a nice brunch. But uh, if it's easier to text, 30930. And Joe and I will have some uh, comments from ABC about what happened today. Yeah, let's actually listen to what the president had to say. Uh, he did also meet with the media while standing in North Korea. And then again, there was in some kind of meeting area where they went back and forth with the media. I'm not sure where these cuts are from, but these are cuts of the president 
um, on the political impact, on the nukes, just about uh, everything. Now, this isn't going to be the only meeting. I believe the purpose of this was scheduling a third summit. So be on the lookout for that. But here is what the president had to say. Again, we'd love to get your calls, 803-0930. But first, President Donald Trump. This was the dramatic headline. The or dramatic jo- I'm sorry, that's George Stephanopoulos. I, I apologize. Photo that President Trump wanted. He's a great showman. He pulled it off today. There's just no question about that. But when you're looking politically, the president had a, it seemed like at first, a successful meeting in Singapore with Kim Jong-un just about a year ago. That didn't seem to change his approval ratings one way or another. He had a failed summit in Hanoi uh, with Kim Jong-un earlier this year. That didn't change his approval ratings one way or another. So I'm not sure there's that much political impact. All right, Brenda, let's talk about that real quick. Political impact, as you know, the first one was perceived to have gone over well. The second one kind of blew up, um, no pun intended, kind of blew up uh, where the president walked away. This really not... A summit, like we said, this was more of a scheduling thing. But what do you think? Do you well, think this is going to be something talked about at the next DNC debate? Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, how do you not talk about this? And no matter what you say, you know, I give the pres- president some credit for doing this. But this guy's that he's uh, meeting with, Kim Jong-un, is a maniacal homicidal killer in my mind. Uh, this guy is not somebody I'd want to invite to Thanksgiving dinner. But... Does it help open dialogue and perhaps uh, prevent a a nuclear explosion and maybe uh, a call to disarm? I think that's the whole point in the president meeting with this guy. And I think the president takes a lot of pride in the fact that he's been able to get an audience with Kim Jong-un and to symbolically challenge him to say, hey, I'm going to step over this line and step into perhaps new negotiations. Uh, Kim Jong-un was quoted as saying, I think the meeting here, two countries that have a hostile past, we are showcasing to the world that we have a new present and we have a positive meeting going forward. Now, he sounds pretty reasonable there, Joe. This is Kim Jong-un talking. So, yes, I mean, I'm no fan of Kim Jong-un and his terrible regime. But if the president can make some headway and stop any sort of nuclear action, I'm all for it. Yeah, same here. You know, that second one was met by the uh, North Koreans, I believe, testing another nuke missile or two. And then there was that fake news story, and I'm not using that lightly, a real fake news story, that five of Kim Jong-un's people had been executed because of that failed summit. Now, that came out to be fake, but it seemed right after that summit, a lot of negative press. So I agree with you. I think it was, it's a big step for the president because of how the last one ended, not only with him walking away with nothing, but also he did get some negative media. So it was interesting that so soon after that, he would be in for meeting with Kim, and again, in North Korea or right on the border there. Why do you think Kim is doing this? Do you think he wants to show that there is some progress moving forward with Trump? Or maybe he is, as Trump portrays it, he likes the guy. They like each other on a personal level. Mm. I don't know how Trump can like this man knowing what he does. <laughs> there's so many there's so many ways this could go, Brenda, and I, I'm not, I don't want to be negative one way or the other. Excuse me one second. Sorry. <clears throat> I don't want to be negative one way or the other, uh, but this could be that Kim Jong-un sees the importance of a relationship with the United States. I mean, his country is very poor. Oh, yeah. Okay, very poor. He has to have China fly him anywhere he goes. So the, the country does not have money, let alone the guy. Or this could be number two. 
he has all these photos now of him with the American president, and he could use that just to brainwash his people oh. even more. Oh, Joe, no doubt about it. This is all, I think, well, I shouldn't say all, but I think a good portion of this is propaganda for his own people because they live in such a repressed society. It's not like they can... Uh, you know, put on Netflix or Hulu or go to their cable channels to get differing points of view or even talk radio like us. I mean, can you imagine living in a society like that where you have no freedom, essentially? Not at all. And, oh, I'd be crazy at this point. So, yes, I think for that purpose, it's propaganda for his own people. Perhaps there is some good in Kim Jong-un in the sense that he would like to uh, keep that area of Asia, you know, safe for his people. We'll see how it plays out. I, I don't have a lot of confidence in this guy because he's a killer. He's killed his own family members, for goodness sake. That's right. But, you know, and again, uh, um, you can you can hate Donald Trump. You can think Donald Trump uh, says some crazy stuff. But he has shown where he can get people into a room and get some unbelievable results, right? He's gotten jobs back to the country. He actually got Mexico to sign on to a new deal to avoid tariffs. So maybe... Kim Jong-un entered these summits with that thought. Maybe. And the more and Trump knows he's a good salesman, and the more he talks, maybe he can actually get a deal that won't only make us safer, but will help the North Koreans and maybe not free the country, but actually get some money to those people who are starving. You know what, Joe? But there's the flip side of that coin, too, which is very dangerous. I think the president is playing with fire here because was, he's yep. really legitimizing this murderous dictator. Um, you know, patting him on the back, shaking his hand, chatting him up. And I had that same feeling when he was talking to um, the Saudi prince, who by all accounts was the person behind the killing, that he ordered the killing of Khashoggi. That's true. Yeah. So uh, th- there's, a, there's a lot of stuff here. None of this certainly is black or white. I mean, the president to me is really um, deep diving into the gray here, and I hope that it doesn't come back to haunt us. I, I don't. Like I said, I give him credit for taking the chance, but I hope. If this next summit doesn't end with anything for the United States, that maybe we back off. That's just that's just my my opinion. I'd love to know what you know what you what you know what you think. Eight zero three zero nine thirty. You can shoot us a text at thirty nine thirty. Going into the break, we're going to play a little more of that George Stephanopoulos clip. Here's where he's talking about the North Korean nuclear stockpile. We'll play this. Go to a quick break, and then when we come back, it's more Brenda and Beamer. And guess what? It's not just North Korea on the plate today. Yes, we're talking about the double header of debates we were thrown this week, Wednesday and Thursday. And let me tell you, as bad as the Mets were playing, I did watch some debates. So when we come back, we'll talk that. First, this George Stephanopoulos clip. Even though the president now has had three meetings with Kim Jong-un, not only is the North Korean nuclear program fully in place, in fact, according to U.S. intelligence estimates, his nuclear stockpile has actually increased over the last year. It doesn't appear that Kim Jong-un has held back his nuclear program in any meaningful way. Oh, yeah. Taking it back to the 90s. But, you know, right now on the television screen. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. The Yankees are playing. Good old Susan Waldman. <laughs> <laughs> that was a clip I always, because uh, 
David Bellavia loved to say, goodness gracious. And every time he did, I made sure that clip played. I love that. That, that has become iconic, Joe. Oh, yes. I love that when she does that. You can have no idea about sports talk, about the Yankees, right. but you hear that everyone's heard that somewhere. Yes. It's yeah. great. You can fit it in anywhere. Well, but, the reason Joe's bringing this up is because uh, the Yankees and Red Sox are back at it again in London. Yes. That's they're, right. They're they, across the pond. And ESPN has their main team doing this game, which begs the question because everyone knows that the night game on ESPN tonight is the Mets and Braves. Who will be calling that? So, mystery. Uh, but it's funny, they were interviewing people before the game yesterday, and, and or explaining the game, I'm sorry, to people who had no idea of baseball. Right. And they were explaining the foul pole, and they said, yeah, if you hit the foul pole, it's a fair ball. And the guy goes, so why isn't it the fair pole? <laughs> it's a very good question. <laughs> I also saw them talking to uh, folks from London who were trying Cracker Jacks for the first time. They were bringing the whole American experience over there to London. And uh, it was so funny to see them eating it. And the guy said, yeah, this is pretty good. But I love hearing the English accent. You know, It really oh, yeah. adds something to it. There were some pretty um, devoted Boston Red Sox fans over in London and some uh, pretty rabid Yankees fans as well. So very interesting, Joe, because I always think about the NFL trying to have a, a wider audience by going to play in Europe. In fact, I went to the Bills game against the Jags in London in 2015. It was a great experience. A great performance by E.J. Manuel. Oh, please. I could have put my husband in a QB and he would have done better. Um, but that was the only downside of the trip was the game. Everything else was fantastic. But running into so many fun people from Buffalo over there was a treat. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, MLB uh, catches on in London because I do think it's – MLB, I think you have to have a certain taste for it because it's so slow moving and there are so many games. Um, however, I think it, it'll probably play well over there. I, I think so. You know, it's interesting. The NFL's never had their tight, their top rivalry play over there. Baseball said, hey, we're coming in and we're bringing the hottest rivalry in true. America. Yeah. I mean, who better than the Yankees and Red Sox? Yeah. I mean, I can't stand either team, but I understand. But yeah. you understand the significance of yes, the teams. Yes, of course. Of course. Yes. Well, I'm glad it wasn't the Mets. Yeah. <laughs> Because they that would have ruined the experience, <laughs> that's, right? That's what I mean, especially this team. <laughs> For the Limeys. 803-0930. We are not talking about baseball in London. We're talking about the president stepping over to North Korea, the significance. How do you think this will play out? Do you think it will have an impact on the next Democrat debate? Something that didn't come up the first two days or the first debate, parts one and two. And uh, also, did you watch the debates this week? What did you think? We'll have some clips from that later on. We'll also have Carl Calabrese coming on to tell us what he thought of both nights. I think, you know, in here, I have, it's, it, if you listen to WBEN, you know where I stand. Um, so it, it, there's no reason for me to hide it. Um, but I have, so I obviously have no one in the game. But I thought Joe Biden was very lackluster on Thursday for the way, I mean, he is the, the front runner. He didn't act like the front runner on Thursday. Kamala Harris barbecued him. And the thing that struck me, too, he seemed overwhelmed and underprepared. And the other thing that struck me, what politician do you know says, oh, I know I'm out of time. He stopped before his allotted time was up. He, Usually they're trying to corral them and say, stop talking. And, you know, your they time talk is right up. Over them. And, yeah. yeah. Um, it's it was unbelievable. I was very surprised. And I think that'll only lead President Trump to you know call him Sleepy Joe all the more because of the way. His performance was so underwhelming, Joe. Or, or do we see the tweets starting to go towards someone else? Because well, quite possibly, if Trump identifies somebody else as the front runner, I think another debate like this, you're not going to see Joe Biden with those numbers. I think he's already going to drop a yeah, little bit, oh, and he has. And 
Kamala Harris has raised a ton of money just in, what, 72 hours? It's been unbelievable. Hey, I want to address something that somebody said on the text board. We were talking about uh, President Trump meeting a historic moment this morning that we saw with Kim Jong-un in the DMZ. That he, you could see the video of President Trump literally stepping over this little um, like wooden barrier and into North Korea in the DMZ. So uh, we were talking about free speech and what this may mean in the big picture. And somebody texted in, Brenda, the USA is headed the way towards suppression of free speech with Democratic leadership. Did you see what Antifa did to Andy Ngo in Portland yesterday? Yes, I did, Texter. Thank you very much, by the way, for the comment. Um, Andy Ngo, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, it's N-G-O, he's based in Portland, Oregon, and he was attacked by anti-fascists, the Antifa movement. Um, it uh, a big demonstration that was being held in Portland, and he was surrounded and beaten by protesters wearing black with their faces concealed. At this protest, they had all of these milkshakes set up on a table, and I guess they just, you know, whipped them at him, and his face was covered. You can see uh, pictures of Andy covered in milkshakes, uh, milkshake, eggs, spray. Uh, obviously, I don't condone anything like that. It's disgusting, no matter what side of the aisle you're on. And I feel terrible that this guy had to undergo this. He actually had cuts and bruises on his face and neck and was taken to the hospital for treatment. Um, So it was an ugly incident in Portland. And, you know, Portland, certainly an uber-liberal city uh, on the West Coast. There's no excuse for that kind of behavior, Joe. No, not at all. And it's sad to see things like that. I did not see it, but um, once that text uh, came up, I did pull it up here on the Internet and read a little about it. So... Either side, you know what I mean. That's just absolutely. We, we had it's this inexcusable. We had this discussion last week with Mark Pullencars. It's it's funny how people bring a disagreement to such hard levels. You know what I mean? Right, right. That's the way of the world. It's not getting any better. And I think the debates just fuel that kind of thing too. Now nobody got whipped, you know, literally in no. the debates, but figuratively, I think uh, Joe Biden had egg on his face, uh, and and uh, really, I think. He and Bernie Sanders are going to be on the wayside before you know it. Yeah, you know, you, you said it perfectly, Brenda. He, he looked unprepared. He looked like someone who walked into that class presentation, didn't have a PowerPoint, and left their <laughs> note cards in the car. Yeah, so did Beto O'Rourke, for that matter. I thought he looked very unprepared. Well, I think I was watching uh, Stephen Colbert the other night, and he said something like, he looked like the kid who was called on in school and had uh, you know forgotten his homework. Yes. He looked totally sort of thunderstruck by the whole process. That's and, why he answered in a different language. Yeah. <laughs> We do have Rambo Jim on hold. We'll get to him after the break. But first, Alan Harris has to get us up to date. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You know what? It was on Showtime a few nights ago. Why not? It is Brenda and Beamer. That wasn't on Showtime. Same Elmo's Fire was. Brenda and Beamer are live on WBEN right now. You know, some of those actors are still relevant to this day, Joe. They had some staying power. Oh, yeah, for you sure. Know, Rob Lowe, I just saw, although he's doing some goofy commercials now, but uh, they, I really enjoyed that movie. That was a good one. Yeah, and you know what? It's one of those movies that I could find any time, but when it's, it's, when it's on TV, it's just like Seinfeld. 
I own all the Seinfeld DVDs. It's on Hulu. But when it's on TBS, I leave it on. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I do that. I do that with the Andy Griffith show and the Mary Tyler Moore show. Those right. are my two favorites. Someone and from, I love Seinfeld too. Someone from Mary Tyler Moore was in town. At Asner. Yeah, was yeah, in town. Yeah, I was shocked. He was at Roswell. Uh, he's doing a, a play about prostate cancer, and Ed Asner is just a terrific actor. He played Lou Grant in the Mary Tyler Moore Show, which was a sitcom, of course. And then they spun that show off into the Lou Grant Show. It was just called Lou Grant. And it was a serious show about journalism, so it was quite a 180 departure for him. Um, and he also was the voice in Up, so he's been oh, okay. around for years and years. Hey, we were talking about Andy No, and thanks to the texture who... Um, sent me a note saying his, uh, Joe, if you want to just move that text back up the other way, uh, it's pronounced no, Andy, no, N-O. Um, and it is, somebody else said uh, it's a th- assault to throw anything on someone and or to spit on them. What's worse, the Portland police didn't seem to really do anything to intervene. Uh, somebody else also texted in, I think some of those milkshakes, milkshakes also contained quick drying cement in them. And others, uh, there was reports that there was pepper spray in these milkshakes. I don't know why I can't say milkshake. Milkshakes as well. Um, really, hardly peace-loving people, uh, if that's what they're doing to incite that kind of violence and attack Andy No, I mean, whether you agree with him or not, that's hardly the result and the uh, action one should take. I was in Portland uh, about a year and a half ago. And I knew it was a really liberal city, and I had some time to walk around the downtown area. I have never seen a homeless population worse than in Portland, Joe. It was awful. I mean, there were homeless people literally uh, almost on every corner that uh, we walked by. And it's a beautiful city. It reminded me a little bit of Buffalo because it's, you know, beautiful waterfront. It's not an enormous city like L.A. sprawling. But there was an undercurrent in that city that made me a little bit uncomfortable, and I think it had to do with the homeless people, many of whom were pretty aggressive. They'd get up in your face and ask for money and, you know, were pretty uh, assertive when they were panhandling. Uh, I hope that there's no further violence in Portland, but I don't think this is the end of it. No, unfortunately, but quick drying cement. Wow. Oh, that is boy, just... It's nasty. Yeah. That, I mean, that na- nasty is too, uh, too low of a word to use, Brenda, but... Just like last week, I can't find a more word to illustrate well, it. Well, you know, and it also shows premeditation, too. If you're thinking about putting quick-drying cement in a milkshake, uh, it's clear that uh, you have some motive here that it's it's going to be used in a bad way. Right, you didn't and just And it's going to be it. harmful. Yeah, it wasn't some random thing that you decided to throw into the milkshake. You didn't just pick it up and then see him and go, well, I have this milkshake here. Yeah, so. that's right. Yeah. Same with the pepper spray. Yeah. 803-0930. Rambo Jim has been very patient, so we'll kick off with him today. Rambo Jim, good morning. Yeah, good morning. President Trump missed his calling. He should have been a police officer or a corrections officer. He's perfect. He, he sees people that he knows, like you said, this guy in North Korea. Uh, he, he knows this guy's crazy and he's violent and he's dangerous. So he approaches him like he, like you, he acts like... President Trump is acting like some guy that you meet in a bar at the, in the, in the, at your neighborhood gin mill. Hey, how you doing today? What's going on? Hey, could we? Could, you got a, you got a few minutes to spare? Can I talk to you? That's how he's approaching this guy, and it's working. It's working. If you watch the Trump rallies, those people at those rallies they perceive President Trump as being just like them. And that's how he approaches the people. Hey, I'm just like you guys. Don't you find that ironic, Jim? Here's a guy who's a, a multimillionaire, grew up in a privileged world in New York City, and yet he plays well in Peoria. 
Yeah, and but remember, he grew up around guys that were building his projects. You know, his uh, this building, that building, this apartment complex that he was trying to get built. And he would go out. They said when he was starting out in business, and he would talk to the hard hats. Some guy driving a bulldozer, he would talk to him. Some guy, you know, it's a carpenter, electrician, a plumber, and just talk to the guys. And he, they said he acted like he was uh, just some guy out there on the construction crew. And they said all the most of the workers liked him because he was just, he did not approach them as, I'm better than you. I'm very elite, and you're stupid, and I have to educate you because you're stupid. You know, I guarded the guy that shot John Lennon, so I thought to myself, wait a minute. He already killed John Lennon. What if I make him mad? And then he wants to kill me. So I interpersonally communicated with him. When I would go on my six weeks Christmas vacation, he would tell me how much he missed me. What kind of conversations did you have with Mark David Chapman, Jim? Well, one of the things I, we talked about is why he would always beat me at checkers. I could never beat him. <laughs> did you ever bring up about Lennon, or is it that was verboten? Too much to get into that. But like when my favorite author, this is true, I'm not making this up. The day my favorite author died was Louis L'Amour, Chapman had a radio in his cell. When he heard that on the radio they announced the famous Western author Louis L'Amour passed away today, he called me down to his cell <laughs> let me know. He said, I thought maybe you'd rather hear it from me. Well, who knew he was so sensitive? A guy who gunned down John Lennon in cold blood. It's hard to feel any sort of affinity for a guy like that. You interpersonally communicate with these guys. I got along, you know, uh, the gangbangers I got along great with, and I'm a white guy, the Bloods. I got along great with them. I got along, I never had a problem with them. Not, not one of them. They never challenged me, never threatened me, never even raised their voice to me. I used to go watch television with them out in the yard and hang out and talk to them. You got to make, when you know people are violent and they have violent pasts, try interpersonally communicating first. Because remember, they've killed before. And they can kill again. So President Trump knows that Putin is a dangerous guy. If you know anything about Putin's background, he's a killer. He's had people executed. He's like the Russian godfather. If he gets mad at you, he'll have you killed. Trump knows that. Trump's not stupid. So what does he do? He's making Putin like him. This is what, this is, President Trump is no rocket scientist, but he's sly like the fox. Joe, uh, you know, I'd like to get Joe's opinion on this, too, Jim. Do you think that uh, Putin and Kim and all of these other murderous dictators see through this at all? No, because they like his personality. Either they, even if someone is a killer, a convicted killer, let's say, if you can make him like you, there's that human element. You're talkative. You talk to him. You, it's, it's called, at the, at, the, at the Correction Officers Academy, and the police academy, they call it interpersonally communicating with people. You interpersonally communicate with these people. You talk to them like they're human beings. Uh, one time Chapman was telling me how good the potatoes, uh, the mashed potatoes and gravy were. I said, wait a minute, I'll be right back. Went and got him a big bowl, of extra bowl of uh, mashed potatoes and gravy. He loved me for a bowl of potatoes mashed potatoes and gravy. I made friends with a guy, never had a problem with him. That's called interpersonally communicating. Well, and it's also self-preservation for you, right, Jim? 
Right, because I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm out in the yard, I'm surrounded by the bloods, and I'm thinking, and I'm smart, I'm not stupid, I'm not a rocket scientist, but I'm not stupid either. I'm thinking, these guys could kill me right now. Before the officer in the tower could grab the rifle, I could be dead. Jim, as always, a great call to kick off the show. Thank you, Rambo Jim in North Tonawanda. Brenda, to answer your question, I think when it comes to a Putin, to a Kim Jong-un, they're like what I perceive some people to the left and media in America think. They perceive Trump is dumb, and they think that, he, that he's just going there and trying to make friends with everyone. I don't think they know he has this plan. And Trump's not going to tell anyone the plan. He said that when he ran, that the problem with all these past wars, with all these past presidents, is they telegraph everything. You have Obama out there saying, or same with President Bush, out there saying, we're going to leave here in blank, and we're going to take this many troops away blank. He set, they set deadlines. And I think just like with that strategy, President Trump won't tell anyone what his strategy in Russia, in North Korea is, but he's not stupid. Jim's right. He's not stupid, but I think he is perceived as dumb. I think there's also a part of President Trump that likes to say, hey, I made this happen and nobody else could. Well, I think part of it is one upsmanship on his part because I think he thrives on that. He, I mean, he said this will be in history books today when he stepped over <laughs> well, in North it's Korea. Always, it's always about his image and the perception of it or what he views as how it should be perceived. Now, does that take away from what he did? No. But I think part of what motivates him is the fact that he likes to kind of, you know, bang on his chest saying nobody else could do this with Putin or Kim but me. Yeah, I mean, that's true. And if it works out for the better, if not, like you said, he's playing with fire. We'll see. We're going to blow the clock up here. We're going to go to 1055. So let's continue with the calls with John in Rochester. John, good morning. Hey, Joe. Hey, Brenda. Good morning, John. Hey, uh, Brenda, just uh, a sidelight. You mentioned that uh, Jacksonville Bills game in London. Yes. Did I hear you right about uh, that game actually was a great game. The Bills were down, I think, by 21 points, actually took the lead late in the fourth quarter, only to lose the game. Uh, I think uh, Bortles uh, scrambled around and uh, scored a touchdown. But that, that actually was a great game. Except for E.J. Manuel. John, I just can't, if we had had any kind of competent quarterback, it would have been a great game. I, I do give it to you that, yes, they rallied, and we really thought that maybe there was a shot here. But I remember being in the stands with a group of other people thinking, who's the third-string quarterback? Could we get the third string in? Because Tyrod Taylor was injured, if you recall. And uh, E.J. Manuel just could not get out of his own way. I do give the Bills credit for coming back, but, oh, my gosh, what a disappointing end to that game. But 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 he did lead the comeback. He he was great in that second half. But anyways, I didn't want to I didn't want to go too far on that topic. But but uh, you know George Stephanopoulos, what a what a hypocrite he is. He represented the uh, Clinton. I, I think he was the press secretary for Clinton, and uh, Bill Clinton gave away North Korea to disarm North Korea. This is back in the nineties. Was this great uh, tr- nuclear uh, treaty and. They took our money and just poo-pooed the treaty. So Clinton gave away a lot of money, similar to what Obama did with the Iran nuclear deal. Clinton did the same thing. It was a, it was a failure, and Stephanopoulos was part of that administration. And the thing that really ticks me off about the Clinton administration is uh, he was responsible for letting uh, some uh, highly classified missile technology be sold to China. 
and China passed that on to North Korea. And the reason he did that was um, one of his chief fundraiser, I think his last name was Schwartz, uh, was a had a company that produces this technology, and the, he went and, and convinced Clinton to let him sell it to China. And Clinton allowed him. And the predicament we're in today, I think, with China, North Korea, and Iran is Bill Clinton. With the uh, he let that technology go to China. China said we're we're going to use it for peaceful peaceful uh, motives and. Uh, and the rest is history. China nuked up, uh, North Korea nuked up, and Iran's nuking up. So, uh, George Stephanopoulos, what a what a what a uh, hypocrite he is. Well, I don't think Stephanopoulos made policy, though. Do you? Well, but he defends he defends the policy. He defended the policy. Well, that was his job. The, the, the treaty back back at that point, and he still defends Clinton's policy. And, and and well, it's another thing. The media the media is dishonest. They're biased. They don't bring up that uh, today, that whole situation. It's, it's unbelievable to me. That's why it's a good thing we have talk radio and other pundits who can comment on that, uh, uh, John. I, I agree with you in that respect. And that's why I find somebody like Kim Jong-un so reprehensible, where his people are so repressed and oppressed. And uh, they have no idea what's really going on in the world, the way they live in this sort of uh, Truman-like show. Uh, it's so sad to see people like that. I really hope that um, the president can achieve something. There, that uh, that still bothers me that uh, they were able to uh, murder that, basically murder that uh, college student. Right. And uh, and now Trump is uh, closing it up. But but I got to say, Trump, Rambo Jim did a good job. Trump Trump is sly like a fox. While he's talking up a big game with uh, uh, shaking hands with Oon. Uh, in uh, North Korea. On the other hand, he has sanctions against them, just like he has sanctions against Iran. He's he's uh, he's sly like a fox. He's economically he can crush North Korea. He can crush Iran. That's not going to let up. And uh, he's a good negotiator. And another thing, Trump. Uh, they say he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He, he was to a certain extent, to a large extent. But he made, you know how he made his money? He made his money in Manhattan. His, he tried to convince his dad to invest in Manhattan, and his dad wouldn't do it. His dad was familiar with other parts of New York. Uh, and uh, Trump went, begged, borrowed, and st- stole. Uh, when I say stole, I say that not literally, but, but he went out and borrowed everything he could to uh, because his dad wouldn't give him any investment for Manhattan Project because that's where Trump made his fortune, billions upon billions. The uh, uh, the Empire State Building uh, a couple of years ago sold uh, part of its sold at a, at a rate of like twenty two hundred dollars a square foot. You know what the Seneca Tower so, sold for a few years ago? I think thirteen or fourteen dollars a square foot. That gives you an example where New York prices have gone in Manhattan, and that's where Trump made his, his money without his father's, his father was against it. So Trump is one shrewd guy. I hand it to him. You know, uh, John, I'm going to somehow link these together, but you bring up Trump and Manhattan, and you also brought up the dishonest media. Do you remember a few weeks ago when the media said that the president had lost close to a billion dollars in the late 80s, like it was new news? 
And then if you look back in the New York Times, in 95, they had written an article about Trump saying he had lost almost a billion dollars and how he made it back. Exactly. So I just, you brought those two things up. I wanted to marry them together real quick. Exactly. Another thing about uh, real estate losses, depreciation losses are, are uh, they're, they're book losses. They don't reflect actual cash losses. They're, 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 and I'll give you an example. Going back to Seneca Tower, you know, the Seneca Tower in 19, uh, or 2005 sold for $85 million, almost $100 a square foot. And uh, a year or two ago, it sold for, uh, I think, $13 or $14 a square foot, a loss of about 85 or 90% of their equity, uh, those investors and, and the lenders. That shows you the risk of real estate and why depreciation exists, because you can lose uh, 80% or 90% investment in real estate over a period of 10 or 15 years. So that's why depreciation exists. Fortunately, most real estate doesn't depreciate that quickly. But, but uh, anyways, that's, that's uh, why they have the depreciation laws to protect investors and reflect the risk. John, thank you so much. Running out of time here. That's John in Rochester. Again, always a great call. Brenda, we got one more hour to go. Looking forward to it, Joe. Carl Calabrese will be joining us at 1135. Until then, it's your calls, 803-0930. You want to talk debates? You want to talk North Korea and Trump? When we come back, we have a few reactions from presidential candidates to the president in North Korea. We'll play those for you. We'll read your texts and hopefully take your phone calls. It's Brenda and Beamer, and we're in for Hardline. One more hour here on News Radio 930 WBEN. All star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.